Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Donna, and for the final time, I'll add that I'm one of your pastors. It's a bittersweet day. I think anyone would be crazy to not be excited about retiring. Um, After all, this is 42 years, uh, not 42 years in ministry. Uh, but 42 years of life and education and um, consulting and in ministry. Um, but I'll tell you, it's hard. The last nine years have been some of the best years of my life. Um, it's been a privilege to be one of your pastors. During these nine years, uh, we've had some crazy times, lots of ups and downs and ministerial changes. (laughs) David's got lots of fortitude, thank God, and has stuck it out longer than the other ones. So uh, (laughs) praise God for that. (laughs) So, um, you know, I'll always be grateful to you. I want to say it now uh, for the love and the grace that you've extended to me, uh, I came not knowing a thing, uh, and you hung in there with me. You've taught me a lot. Uh, the Lord has taught me a lot, um, perhaps none more than in these last four months. One of the things that I've learned in these last four months is that the only thing you have is the day that you have that day. Learn to live the day that's been given to you, one day at a time. There's no guarantees. Um, I remember the saying a long time ago that the only thing that is certain in life is death and taxes. And I realized uh, when I looked that up that Ben Franklin was the one who said that. Back in 1789, So that's a long time ago, more than 200 years ago, he said that. And so I would argue that there are a lot more than two things, death and taxes, that are certain. Uh, One thing that I believe is certain is change. Uh, Goodness gracious, look at all the change that has happened in life. Um, And that does happen. Another thing that I think is certain is uncertainty. Um, And that's something that I've thought about a lot these past months. I was doing some reading about uncertainty, and there was a quote by a mathematician, and he said, uncertainty is the only certainty there is. Now, does that sound like a mathematician? (laughs) So, uh, what an oxymoron. Uh, David referenced this in his prayer, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer with it, but certainly the last few years have been filled with uncertainty as well. And I realize that previous generations probably have said this also, that uh, they've experienced really challenging times. Uh, But... You know, I think we can say that um, uncertainty is greater now than than it's been in a long time. You know, we have been through a global pandemic and 
there's a new strain out there right now. Uh, and, you know, we've had people, uh, even within the church, who have experienced COVID recently. Uh, the economy is an absolute mess. Uh, go fill your car up. Uh, and be grateful if you don't have a diesel pickup truck. Uh, <laughs> you know, food prices, um, baby formula. Man, that one's really hard for me to think about. I can't even imagine uh, struggling to find baby formula. Um, then we have the situation in Uvalde, and I know that there have been mass shootings Um and in schools, but, you know, when we talk about Uvalde, that's in our backyard now. Um, you know, my family, they live about 30 miles from Uvalde. Um, many of us as educators or retired educators, uh, just the thought of being in the classroom and our little ones having their lives taken. Um, the war in Ukraine continues um, after it escalated in late, late February. And then many of us are dealing with personal issues, um, some personal finances. Um, when I told the conference in November that I was going to be retiring this year, you know, my 401k looked a whole lot different in November <laughs> than it does now. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't know then what I know now. <laughs> um, but I will say that in November, um, God said there was something else I'm calling you to. And... Um, as I'll talk about, it's all about trust. It's not about money, Donna. Um, I'll get you through. Um, health issues, something we know about in our house. Um, relationship issues, family issues. Um, in the contemporary service, you know, there were some of the kids in there who had graduated from high school and, you know, they're going away in a couple of months and some of them don't know who their roommate is and, you know, their anxiety around that. But more so, you know, how, how are their parents going to live without them, you know? Because who's going to fix the, the smartphone or, you know, the Apple Watch, you know, when they're gone? Um, but we've also had some of our members of recent um, that they've moved away. They've sold their houses that they've lived in for years, and they've moved away to be closer to their children. And they're living now in these small assisted living facilities. On It's hard. It's hard for them. The changes. In uh, you know those who've moved away to another community, they've left their church behind. Uh, so many questions, so many uncertainties, and it seems that what everybody wants is security. We want to know that it's going to be okay, but we keep looking for security in the wrong place because the 
only place our security is going to come from is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It's not in our finances. It's not in somebody else. Not in our relationships. It's not even in our, our health. It's only in the Lord Jesus Christ. But so easily, anxiety and worry creep into our brains and our thinking goes to what if. And we do what a friend of mine taught me, and that's called awfulizing. We start thinking the worst, and we just make it awful. And we make it the worst it can be, and we make ourselves miserable. And there we have Jesus saying, come to me, you're tired and weary, and I will give you rest. And we do just the opposite. We lean on ourselves, and we just worry, worry, worry. And you know what? I'm the world's best at that. And I blame that on my mother. (laughs) She was good at it. It's in my DNA, okay? Sorry, Mom. (laughs) But let me tell you, worry does no good, none whatsoever at all. It's only when we turn our thoughts over to the Lord and pray to him and put our trust in him and affirm his power in our life and put our faith in him that things can change. And friends, you know, there are times when I can't pray. I don't have the words. So music fills that void. You know, if I can listen to a hymn, if I, contemporary music, you know, you know, get my playlist on my phone and let praise music come. It makes such a difference. And God is there, and it takes away that miserableness, and peace comes. You know, we're not exempt from the challenges of life just because we're Christians. I think some people think that when you become a Christian that life is going to be easy. Um, Dan used to... And he may pray it, but he doesn't come anymore. But he used to pray, Lord, I'm not asking for an easy life. I'm just asking for the courage and strength to live the life you give me. I finally told him, quit praying that prayer. You know, if you're going to be married to me, quit, okay? I need a little bit of ease in my life, so quit that. But... um. Our scripture today is going to come from Matthew 6, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a reminder to put our trust in God and to quit worrying. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? 
Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, I'm going to do something a bit different and ask you to listen to the text again. And this time I'm going to read it from the message. Now, the message is a paraphrase. So Eugene Peterson takes a bit of liberty with the wording. But the theme and the message are the same. And I like to do this as the wording often just smacks me where I really need it. And so it's a bit more contemporary version. So here we go. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it matters that, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God in the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with, that, with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. First of all, this passage, either translation, is not a glib, don't worry, be happy statement. But it's about having a deep, ab 
abiding faith and trust in God that sees us through any situation, any circumstance, a faith that we can lean on and count on always. It's about having a relationship with God that's real, a relationship with God that helps us when life is difficult, a relationship that God shows up in ways that we never expected or even imagined, one in which we can be assured that God will take care of us regardless. Now, you all know that I have control issues. I've told you that before. I want things my way, and they certainly aren't my way right now. But I'm pressing on because of three beliefs that have become certainties for me. One, God is in charge of everything. Always has been, always will be. Now, these aren't new for you, but I have to remind myself of them. Secondly, God is in the midst of every situation. And three, because God is in the midst of every situation, God is personally involved in my life if I allow him to be. And because he's personally involved, then he will see us through whatever it is. We have no guarantees about the future, but our hope and our trust is in the one who holds the future. Those are certainties that we can count on. There are several incidences that have rocked my world, yet God showed up and gave me the assurance that he was there. In one of them, God used wildflowers, like in our scripture, to show me how much he cared and to turn my questions into certainty. My dad died unexpectedly at the young age of 62. And I know some of you have heard this story because I used it at an Easter vigil service a long time ago, but I was asked to share it again. But daddy had a cardiac event in the middle of the night. Um, my younger brother, Richard, who some of you met at uh, my retirement party, um, called at 12.30 that morning and said that Daddy had died. And several friends came over to my condo, and um, two of them drove me home that night. It was pitch dark when we left Northwest Corpus Christi, where I lived. And I sat in the back seat with my little dog, and just stared out the window, looking at the stars, praying that God would give me some assurance that my dad was okay. You see, my dad had stopped going to church. Um, when we were young, he took us to church. It was part of an agreement, if you want to put it that way. Um, that he and my dad, he and my mom made whenever uh, they got married in 1950. 
you see, mom was raised Baptist and dad was Catholic, raised Catholic, but they really weren't churchgoers. But mom had to sign a piece of paper that said she would raise her children Catholic. So they did that. Daddy took us to church. Um, but when my older brother was old enough to drive, Daddy quit going to church. And um, I never talked to him about his relationship with God. Something, um, I don't know. I'm sorry that I didn't, that, you know, it really bothered me, um, particularly when it was too late. Um, and so I prayed and prayed, you know, just daily that God would give me some assurance that, that daddy was okay. And that Easter, well, let me back up here. Um, Ben, there's a picture, um, a slide. Yeah, okay. So that is an Easter nest. That's a German tradition, okay? My maiden name is Schuling, just a little bit German. And um, rather than having Easter baskets, the German tradition is to make Easter nests. And you go out on the Saturday before Easter Sunday and you look for wildflowers to decorate your Easter nest. And so we went out every year and it, my dad was the one who took us and we would have our, you know, scissors in our basket or a paper bag and we would put wildflowers and if it was a good year we would find indian uh blankets and um buttercups and uh, um daisy stars the yellow flowers and maybe even some blue bonnets that i know you're not supposed to cut but we would maybe get a few to put in the basket uh but ours were always prettier than that one and Bigger, because, you know, we wanted plenty of room for the chocolate eggs, you know, the heck with the hard-boiled eggs. But anyways, um, we would decorate our Easter nest. And, um, oh, well, I missed the whole, jeez. <laughs> Daddy's favorite flower was the purple verbena, okay? And so we would always have purple verbena, verbena in there. And so, um, anyways, that, let me get back on track here. That Good Friday after Daddy had died in November, so probably early April, mid-April, I went home to the ranch for Chris, for Easter. And when I crossed over the cattle guard, the field to the right was absolutely covered with purple verbena, thick with purple verbena. And I felt like I had gotten my answer from God, that daddy was okay, that all was well. 
And all I could think was, God, you are so good. You're so good, I don't have to worry. The second incident happened on February the 20th, and of course deals with the other man who's so important in my life. Um, I had had my surgery on February 10th, and I was not healing uh, as the doctor thought it would be. He assured me I would only miss one Sunday of church, but that was not the case. And um, so I'd contacted David about staying home a second Sunday. And um, as y'all know, Dan had been having incidences of passing out, and we uh, finally got to the bottom and knew that he had blockages in his heart and that he was going to be having bypass surgery that week. Um, so I was setting up my computer to watch worship online, and um, we have an island in the kitchen, and I was putting my computer there, and the dining room table is just right over here, and he was in the end chair, and I looked over, and he was slumped over like this. And I went over to him immediately, and he he wouldn't respond to me. Um, every time this happened before, he would come to uh, rather quickly. You know, after I would call 911, he would come to, um, and, you know, we'd go to the hospital, and we'd go through all the risk, rigmarole, blah, 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 blah. Won't go through all that. But anyways, this time he didn't come through come to. Um, I was stupid, okay? I didn't start heart compressions on him. I look back on that. I don't have an answer for, for that. All I know is that I stood there and I just held him. And Friends, I can only tell you that God was so present. I know that God was holding us. There was a peace that I cannot explain. There was so much love in that space. If God had taken Dan at that time, I would have been devastated. But I would have known that he was okay because of the love that was there. You know, we have these big glass windows, I never saw the ambulance come by. They came around to the back. They opened the back door. And if you've been to our house, you know we have a dog that barks when anybody comes in. The dog never barked. That's a miracle. <laughs> she, I never heard her. She gave no warning. 
I didn't even hear him come up. All I heard was, ma'am, we'll take him now. We were, we were just in this holy, holy space. And God was there with us. And it stayed that way until the ambulance door closed. And I think it was then that I felt shut out in all the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, just all came at once. And I wish I could tell you that I had prayed, God, do what's best for Dan. But no, I begged God to not take him from me. been a long four months. And we're not done. But we're okay. Because you know what? God has been with us every step of the way. And you have you have been little Christ to us. We couldn't have made it without the love of this church. The prayers, the cards, the texts, your presence, just all the ways that you have loved us. Our future is uncertain, um, but we know the one who holds the future, and he reminds us and he reminds me to give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow because God will help deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Your everyday human concerns will be met one day at a time. That's all we have. I want to take a moment to say some special thanks. Um, I want to thank Bill and David for playing the prelude. Um, The very first time that I preached in this church, they they played that prelude. And it just, just one that has always touched my heart. And music touches my heart so much. And they were willing to do it again. And I thank you so much. Um, of course, Eddie, all the time you do that. Haley, you're magnificent. And you were willing to let me choose the hymns. And then the goodness of God is just, you're just amazing. Um to all of the staff and to David for all the ways he supported me over these past months. I can't say enough. Um, I'd say to you, if you don't have 
a group of friends who will pray for you, who will stand in the gap for you. I implore you to find those people. If there's anybody here who doesn't know the Lord, I encourage you to talk to David next week. Don't let time pass by. We all need him. Life's tough. And we need that relationship. I guess there's nothing else to say other than thank you and I love you. Thank mm-hmm. you.